1: Welcome to episode 30 of the Build My Online show podcast, I'm your host Terry, and today we're going to hear some guerrilla marketing stories with Big Richard Condoms in Australia. But before we start, I've been doing some Skype calls with listeners on the email list, and it's been great hearing what works and what doesn't on the show, and a lot of people are stuck on the idea phase. So I wanted to talk about a book I recently read too, called The Icarus Deception by Seth Godin, and just a bit of background before I get into it. So... Uh, Personally, sometime around my mid-20s, I realized that uh, working at a job for 30 to 40 years of your life and retiring on a 401k or some type of plan, it was just a broken model of living your life. And so in my gut, I kind of had this feeling that while it worked for our parents, uh, technology and everything was just moving too fast for it to work for us. And so in a globalized world where everything is so flat, I knew something was different and had to change. And a prime example that i think about is uh, you know if you look at the apple iphone five years ago it was you know one of the world wonders it was an amazing phone when it first came out made a lot of news and a lot of people were like wow this is a game changer right but you look at now you know a few years later you know in terms of what's on the market now you know screen size form factor resolution you know it's almost a commoditized product and you know the awe of these products are nowhere as they they were a couple years ago and so in a world where something you know as marvelous as iPhone can come out, can lose its novelty, I mean, what does that say about you know the old model of the industrial world working at a job for 30 to 40 years and retiring? So, you see all around this industry still trying to hold on to the past. Kind of whether it's in push marketing you know suing people just to keep things as they were and so you know i think seth summarizes it the best in this book uh, and he says you know we're living in a time when a billion people are connected when your work is judged based on what you do rather than who you are and when credentials access to capital and raw power have been dwarfed by the simple question do i care about what you do and so for me uh, especially in the early episodes i wasn't really sure where this podcast was going or if I was able to turn this into a viable business that would work. Uh, but after reading this book, you know, and talking to some listeners, I think the fact that you're listening to this now shows that you care about what I'm doing. And that was really what I needed to hear. And so it was a big refresher for me this past week as we do episode 30. And so for the listeners out there that are still stuck with an idea or don't know where to start, I think this, is, this will be a good book for you to check out. And so it really boils down to what are you afraid of? And he says, the resistance is something not to be avoided. It's something you should seek out. And once you seek it out, the next question to ask is, well, how can you make this work? Which I'll save for another episode. So uh, the stuff Seth says in his book is probably what you need to hear. And I'm also happy to say that you can actually get a free copy off Audible uh, in audiobook format uh, by this link I'll give you in a bit. So last week... I was also approved in their podcast sponsorship program. So by signing up there, they give you a free audiobook credit uh, just by signing up. And I recommend you guys to check it out. And the good thing about this book is that it's narrated by Seth himself, not by some random person. And you can certainly get another book of your choice. Uh, The link is buildmyonlinestore.com slash Audible, and just to be transparent, I do get a small commission if you sign up for a free trial. And if you're already familiar with Seth's material, it might not be as new for you, but for those of you who are stuck with an idea and haven't started yet, you really should check it out. This might be exactly what you need to hear. So uh, once again, the URL is buildmyonlinestore.com slash Audible. Uh, I'd really appreciate your support to the show, and you can also leave me a iTunes review uh, so we can reach more listeners. So with that being said, uh, let's get into this week's episode. Right, this week I have Lloyd Perry from Big Richard Connells. Where we're going to talk about some guerrilla marketing stories uh, in Australia. So what's going on, Lloyd? Good,
0: Terry, how are
1: you? Hey, not bad. Finally, we're on the line.
0: <laughs> yeah, man, I'm sorry about the uh, the dramas I've uh, had over the past few weeks. They, uh, they are never ending for us at the moment.
1: Yeah, all right, well, so, so I found you through uh, Tim Reed's show and basically – you know, he was on my show earlier, and he mentioned you guys, and I was like, "Oh, I gotta check this out." And then I saw the video, and I was like, "Oh, gotta do a follow up with you." <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, cool.
1: Anyways, all right, so, so let's just get started then. So, you know, really quick, uh, you know, what's the background, and how did you even come up with this idea? Uh, yeah,
0: basically, look, my my passion is marketing and and branding. I really wanted to, believe it or not, actually create a clothing brand. That was. When I was younger, that was something that I always wanted to own. I actually decided that no one had innovated underwear, men's underwear. (laughs) And we're talking like boxers or briefs or? Boxer shorts, yeah. Yeah, I decided that every man and his dog has a a t-shirt brand or a jeans brand. But uh, and so, you know, I wanted to be unique. So I thought I'll start with underwear and then I'll branch out into everything else. Yeah, after four hours of brainstorming, I'm, I'm very passionate about brand names and, and branding. I came up with the Big Richard name. So it has nothing to do with uh, anything else. Don't don't let the ladies tell you anything different. I just thought it was a very cool cool name, very brandable, very cheeky. And, and my particular take on, on branding is that there's there's not enough fun, cheeky brands out there. There's too many that play it safe and the ones that do it well as a sort of you know cheeky fun brand they they stand out
1: And so, big richard was a name for the original underwear line you wanted to start or it,
0: it was but the the very next day when i registered the trademark i was doing that online and i just had this crazy thought in my head what about condoms i just went that just popped into my head and i just went yeah i'll just i'll just buy that too that's that's got legs, too. Uh, I'll buy that. So, yeah, I bought the trademark. I used the uh, Madrid protocol to get it all around the world. And, and then uh, fast forward four years or so, there was a, a round-the-world trip that got in the way before that, working for a startup out of the U.K., that uh, I finally actually got around to starting the business. So,
1: So you had this domain sitting kind of just on the internet for a couple of years before you actually did anything with it.
0: Yeah. At the time, I was 24, and I was a massive, massive loser. I'd never actually been out of the country. I just decided that I needed um, some life experience before I started my own business. You know, I was a young Australian kid and had never been out of the country, so... I felt that I really needed to travel first. Um, I did that and the plan was to come back nine months later and and start this and and come back via China, pick up some clothes and start with the clothing brand because I figured the condoms would take uh, a truckload of cash and I I didn't have a truckload of cash. Um, I got caught up in the UK and ended up living there for three and a half years and I worked for an online video startup over there and we were having fun with that and we thought we were going to change the world and... Yeah, that was my first experience of getting involved with investors and seeing how much uh, you know, the wrong investor can, can screw up a uh, company because investors that got involved with that business, um, they got involved when the share price was $0.92 cents and we all had stock options that. and um, when they left, it ended up being $0.06. Cents. And it was a a really great company with lots of potential. It was really sad to say.
1: And so how did you make the pivot from clothing company into condoms?
0: Well, the condoms was always, you know, kind of there in the plan. The brand was all about being this fun, cheeky youth brand and sort of, you know, boxer shorts, condoms. It was just gravitating towards being all about that region. The eventual pivot towards condoms really just came about because that's when I I found investors for the business. They were just much more interested in the brand being a condom brand. They just felt that's where all the potential was. Back in 2010, I don't think there were many e-commerce companies doing innovative stuff in clothing online as what there are now.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of these boutique clothing brands you see like all over the place because
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and 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 you know, doing really really well online. I think there's one that was on tim's Show, uh Black Milk Clothing. Yeah, and you see a lot of these
1: charity models too of like, you know, buy a shirt we'll donate, you know, 20% to this place and that seems to be doing pretty well too.
0: Yeah, but um unfortunately my investors um just they really weren't keen on me pursuing it as a clothing brand and it's it just very quickly, it became all about the condoms, and the momentum for our business was with the condoms. So the the clothing, we did do it initially a little bit, but I was sort of encouraged to focus. You know, it's all about focus and doing one thing well when you're running a startup. So the um, the underwear had to go.
1: And so you say your investors wanted to go into condoms. Was it kind of like a back and forth between, or is it kind of because you know they're your investors, you don't really have a choice.
0: <laughs> They've got the money, Terry. Yeah. You do what they say <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah which is kind of the the downsides of you know taking other people's money right whereas if you're bootstrapped you kind of yeah you know ha- have a different side but but the thing is the other side is you know the bootstrap guys they're very cash strapped especially if they're you know manufacturing their own product and holding their own inventory too so you know there's good good and bad to each model too so
0: and then you can do like our model which is just could say it's the worst of, of both types where you you actually have investment and you're still bootstrapped, you know? So Yes, yeah, so, so, so which
1: is my next question, how did you come up with the subscription model with the condom business?
0: Oh, just wanting to give new things a try. It didn't cost us a lot to put it out there and see if it was going to work. You know, we had a, a little bit of a spike in sales um, when we launched it, but um, I don't think it, it's the solution for our business. So we haven't really been pursuing it. There's a, a very small niche for condoms being the type of product that it is you know are actually prepared to to buy on subscription we we got a bit of press we had a few orders i I don't think that was the solution for the business but you know it was cool we gave it a go yeah
1: Yeah, because you've seen the dollar shape club in the u.s right the razor blade one that's on a subscription model too
0: oh yeah of course yeah. yeah yeah but i guess it's a
1: different model right? i mean razor blades you use it a lot you know condoms you use it a lot too but it's you know subscriptions kind of
0: it's a it's a needs based product you know I, I have a shareholding in a another startup which is called little rascals which is an online nappy retailer that sells nappies via subscription online and that is a needs based product totally doable on a product like that but condoms you're you know <laughs> you might be having a very successful month and then it you know, mojo drops off for whatever reason the next month there's that aspect to it the real niche for that you know subscription for condoms is couples in relationships and there are some girls out there that don't like putting hormones through their body so they never go on the pill but then you know once again that's that's a really small nation condoms in australia is only a 35 million dollar market anyway so
1: even as much as you know, it can't get bigger than 35 million, so you're kind of stuck by the ceiling,
0: huh? It's, it's crazy small as a market as well. It's um, probably one and a half million. Yeah.
1: I mean, I guess you take the amount of couples, you know, divide, divide the population by two, maybe, you know, some are single. You know, the, you, your market's only this big, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. Oh, look, I, I think the online market in Australia is tiny, um, less than 500,000, so.
1: So I guess the main sales are still coming from like individual condoms, you know, kind of based off your marketing that's doing really well, right?
0: The bulk of our sales is, you know, we've just got little pockets of retail stores that, you know, still buying from us. You know, we make a little bit of money online each month. You know, it's not a huge business um, for us anymore.
1: And are your uh, condoms manufactured like vertically? Like you actually make it from the beginning to the end distribution or kind of how does it how do how, how
0: do you even make a condom it's um there are 110 condom manufacturers in the world we just picked one that was pre-approved with the tga in australia for us it was a, a pretty simple process they, they were pre-approved and i guess when
1: you look at all the different condom brands it's all very marketing driven too right like with other big brands and even like yourself
0: the ones that are sort of out there in the market, I, I, I didn't give them any respect uh, when I started the business, but, um, you know, I, I've grad, gradually started to respect them more as brands. They they're still, you know, play it very safe and throw their money at marketing, but um, I see them doing some some cool things in the market. They still, you know, couldn't do half the, the things that, that we've done and um, wouldn't dare to do the things that we'd really like to do.
1: Yeah. And so when you say, you know, your marketing campaign is a little bit cheeky, kind of off the hook, you know, when you decided to go this route, how did you even come up with, you know, what, what to do and kind of get started with this campaign?
0: Which which particular campaign?
1: Uh, I guess, one, you have a truck, right? Yeah. And Yeah. We've got a... <laughs> so so how, how did that
0: idea come about? Uh, condom, courier van. Oh, you know, we we wanted to take it to festivals. We never really intended to do much in the way of deliveries, um, but we take it to festivals. Our target market and 16 to 24-year-olds make up 53% of all purchases in, in, in condoms. You know, they, they love it. We have girls like taking off their tops and just having having a ball. We know that the brand really, you know, resonates with the, the youth market and that was just one of the fun things that we um, – you know we we like to do and it's it's good good marketing i think i think uh branded vehicles are a very cool marketing yeah
1: so you guys just go up to events and say you know, just start throwing condoms at people they like like what do you
0: do oh yeah we did that like we just in the early days like we were, we we're just selling you know we just make a little bit of money and you know sell it to consumers where they are because the younger generation the only place you can reliably f- find them nowadays is places like festivals and online that's it you can't reach the youth market through like reliably through tv and
1: was that like a trial and error in finding the youth market
0: no i wouldn't say that i'd I'd say that they've pretty reliably been on facebook since um (laughs) you know since the beginning so it doesn't take a genius to figure out that's that's where they are but for us i think we just kind of knew it as well as you know i'm still Uh, gen y um and you know festivals is is where it at where it's at for the youth market and did you find people
1: you know they wouldn't really like condoms on facebook because i had another condom business on the show and he
0: was like you know no one used social media um yeah we we had a big a big question about that you know like if a girl says she likes big richard and that that
1: shows up on her news feed and
0: yeah yeah and that that was one of our original slogans that we had with the brand which we we put on stickers and sticker bomb that around you know around town in in sydney saying girls like it better with a big richard (laughs) we did that one and we did who it's big richard and we drove heaps of traffic to our website just from just from doing that um so yeah lots of lots of guerrilla marketing stuff
1: yeah exactly. and so how'd you come up with the two rabbits design uh
0: that was the ad agency that i i partnered with which is called naked communications told i just managed to get in touch with them, was quite randomly and told them about what i was doing with the brand and they they loved the brand so much and the vision that i had for the brand that they um they offered to work for us For free. So,
1: what were what were some points you knew that the brand was really resonating with someone? Because sometimes when you first start, you know, you just kind of go in blind, but you don't really know what's succeeding or not. And did you have any like kind of key moments that you realized, okay, I'm onto something, and this is gonna work?
0: Probably the first um, big retailer that we landed. Mm -hmm. And what what was that like? Uh, It was a huge amount of relief, is what it felt like, (laughs) because I've been working uh, a lot and pitching to a lot of these retailers and. We managed to get into one that had uh, 170 odd stores and then we of got another and we got another. And now we just sort of have sort of small pockets of, of stores around the country. We're probably in about 200 stores. Yeah, that, that was probably the biggest moment early on. And there's been various um, winds around the place, but uh, sorry, uh, there's been various winds since then. I'd, I'd say landing the big retailers is the most exciting for us in the early days.
1: Yeah. would most of your sales now, are they still coming from retailers and the website just kind of like a, if they want to buy more, they go online to buy it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd say that's where the bulk of our, our sales is coming from. The, the website, you know, it, it pays for itself and it makes us a little bit of cash, but it's not, um, it's not the biggest part of our business.
1: Mm-hmm. And so for the other retailers that you were pitching, you know, do you think like maybe they didn't really get the message, or they just it just it was too like cheeky for them?
0: Oh, it's definitely too cheeky for a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. That, that was an issue
1: <laughs> they're like oh, I don't want to be associated with this with my company
0: <laughs> yeah yeah you know we had to fight all that you know our, our pitch was look, who's going to shake up the market you, you need a you need a challenger brand in there to shake up the market and you know that's what we'll do that's sort of how we managed to get into stores yeah. and so a lot of these retailers you
1: I guess you're pitching the B2B buyers right is that
0: uh, yes
1: yeah and do you have any tips for anyone that are you know maybe in the future they have a product they're looking to pitch buyers and he, tips you have
0: yeah persistence is key you've just you've got to get in front of these people i would say that getting a meeting is barely 50 percent of the battle follow-up with these guys are is, is really really important because they are experts at saying yes to a product and then finding a way to say no later
1: and so how do you even find these buyers for someone who's just looking to get into retail do you go to the website you just cold call or yeah
0: yeah Cold call. Find a retailer that I mentioned, i just bring up and say, can I talk to the person that looks after the purchasing of your condoms, please?
1: And how how long was the process to actually get them to a meeting after the cold call?
0: Uh, I'm pretty good at that sort of thing. I I generally get uh, a meeting on the first or, or second call. I just throw everything at them. On, on that call, particularly in the the early days of your business, you just you're full of exuberance and passion and naivety. Just you survive for you know quite some time on on that sort of passion, and, and people would um, you know be happy to meet with them because they could see that that passion coming through. And
1: did you find it easy to leverage kind of once you got into the first retailer to get into other ones?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was, you know, that was a big part of getting the second and then the third and then the fourth. So, use that as as much as you can as early as possible because after a while, then then you survive on sales figures. And, you know, if they're not good, which at times, ours haven't been good, um, you know, then you haven't got a leg to stand
1: on. And I see you guys have a lot of different marketing channels. Uh, You know, which one online has been really the best one in your experience so far?
0: Online probably the the iPhone app has been the most interesting one for us. I don't think we've sort of quite nailed it yet, but that's you know that's been really interesting to to see the data we know we've we've sort of got something there but we do need to uh, develop the app further we're, we're very close to releasing version one point one which I think is going to be uh, really really cool
1: so what what is the app right now? I've actually never downloaded it before.
0: Uh, uh, it's um, it's got the shagometer. So you place the phone on your bed whilst you're shagging. It measures your uh, volume, your duration, and your activity levels. Wow! And then it gives you a comparative score against people from all around the world. <laughs> That's just one of the you know. Typical cheeky sort of things we do. Uh, and sorry, actually, I should say um, the online video stuff is, is probably the the coolest marketing and most effective marketing that we've done online.
1: Yeah, the Rabbit video, I love that one.
0: Yeah, yeah, we've, we've had <laughs> another one that had uh, 142,000 views thus far and counting, they, they were driving quite a bit of traffic uh, at one stage to the site. I remember quite a few days we had up around the 10% level of traffic coming to the site from from YouTube. So that's quite a spike because you're you never really seeing that much traffic coming from, from YouTube. Yeah.
1: And so back to the app a little bit. So, you know, people can have the Shagometer and, you know, once it's in, do they get like a reward after if they win or like if they're like in the top 10 or...
0: Yeah, well, that's that's the type of stuff that we don't we don't have yet. You know, it was pretty much the the first version was an MVP, and I think the the second version we've we've learned quite a bit from it. We've we've learned ways that we can turn it into a, a bit of an e-commerce channel. The the next one is much more about gamifying uh, sex. Um, <laughs> so so yeah, the things that you mentioned. Getting people onto a leaderboard, those sorts of things. We've got some really, really cool ideas. You know,
1: the are the winners anonymous with their names on there, or?
0: Well, we will. We will see. We'll see just how far <laughs> next generation are willing to uh publicize details about their sex life
1: yeah i get the feeling some couples who join would be kind of proud that they're in the top 10 yeah it's it's just like my gut feeling
0: yeah Yeah, i think so yeah yeah well the the types of sort of consumers that you get at we go to sexpo which is a a big um open to the public uh sex trade show in Mm. australia types of consumers that go there and the ones that come up to you and talk openly, I think those types will have no problems uh, tweeting and, and sharing their uh, sexual scores, sexual prowess.
1: And so let me go back to the M-commerce a little bit. Um, you know, when you were coming up with the packs, how did you kind of come up with like the shag one, the couple one, and the Superman one?
0: They, they were inspired by man packs um, quite a bit. I'm, I'm sure you've seen that side.
1: Man, no, I don't think I have actually.
0: <laughs> okay, okay. Well, they, um, they created these man packs, which subscription packs for, you know, men's goods. and uh, They actually came out before the uh, Dollar Shave Club did. And I, I, I bet you now that they wish they'd, you know, really cotton on to the usefulness of shavers um, by subscription. But that's that's sort of one of the things that inspired us, and we had been thinking about subscription condoms for you know for quite a while, and then you know we finally got the development resource to uh, get it all set up. So,
1: are you guys on a custom platform for your online store, or are you guys on a hosted solution?
0: Uh, we're on Magento.
1: Ah, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. Oh, I remember now. One of my friends, on another e-commerce blogger, he interviewed, I think a developer, Andrew,
0: Andrew Blakely.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and he was like, I think this is like the most. You said it was like the funnest project he's ever done.
0: <laughs> I think. Well, I think Andrew was developing the site when we were on Interspire, which was the predecessor to uh, Big Commerce. <laughs> so I think he was developing it back then, and then we've we've just recently moved over to Magento. Uh,
1: how did you choose Magento? Just because it was kind of like the leading platform for standalone ones, or?
0: It's, there is so much stuff in the e-commerce industry at the moment about Magento, like the whole e-commerce world is obsessed by the product. It really feels to me like it's starting to become uh, almost like bloatware. If you've got hundreds and, you know, almost thousands of products and you've got customers logged in and you're doing multi-store stuff and, you know, you've got a really big, powerful e-commerce website, then Magento is the way to go. But I see a lot of smaller sites getting talked into Magento and it's not the solution for, for a smaller um, e-commerce store. Yeah, it seems like
1: once if you just start on Magento, you to get like a developer to you know make everything and it's yeah uh,
0: no, you're, you're better off having a little WordPress based store, obviously big commerce, uh, Australian guys have got a great platform. A great platform for for smaller stores. Yeah, it's it's, it's really only when you've got a, a very large, very complex um, site that you you're going to need the power of Magento.
1: Yeah, and I think the right way to do it is you know you start out on like something like Big Commerce or Shopify, and once you have the money to pay for a Magento developer, you can kind of build that on the side and then eventually
0: migrate to. Mm. Yeah, and Magento developers aren't cheap. All right, and so let me
1: move on to a little bit uh, about mindset. So, you know, you know you're, you're at your – you get, just got this idea. What did your friends and family say when you said you wanted to start selling condoms?
0: Yeah, they, they – uh, yeah, what did they say? Look, to be honest, I think most people really quite liked the idea. Um, the name has such a, a strong appeal. It's such a, a cheeky brand and, you know, most of my friends were, were quite positive about it.
1: And did everyone start seeing you as kind of like a sex expert or sex guru? Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. And and questions <laughs> were asked uh, <laughs> about that, which is, it's thoroughly not the case, Terry. Um, <laughs> well, you
1: know, you guys have a pretty good blog too, I see.
0: Yeah, yeah. we, we It needs a little bit of TLC at the moment, but um, we've actually got quite big plans for that blog. Is
1: that blog on a different platform or is it tied with Magenta?
0: No, it's, it's on WordPress.
1: Oh, yeah, because I... I could tell the like it looks a little different.
0: Yeah, it does. Um, yeah, look, we get a, we get a lot of traffic with that, and I'm actually while I'm talking with you, I mean, conversation on email with uh, my developer, he's helping us um, work through a few uh, issues with that. But we just kind of noticed that um, there was a lot of traffic for the keyword "sex blog." These are these are the type of things that we notice, you know, doing all the sort of seo stuff that we need to do at the moment to um to target that we don't really know yet whether we'll be able to drive conversions from from people searching for sex blog and people interested in sex to eventually getting them to buy condoms and and vibrators and all the other stuff that we've got coming up we'll find out in a very lean startup mvp fashion because you know we're not spending a a whole lot of money on it we're very very good at running lean as a business and you know getting things done for nothing and 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 finding results
1: i see and and you said the australian condo market is only about 35 million Mm dollars you know and so you know with that cap on the market how do you really take the business to the next level
0: yeah exactly exactly so you go along as a uh, a startup business and you learn things along the way. And for us, it's been, you know, pretty obvious that we're not going to build this amazing global brand just in Australia. And that's been, you know, very apparent to me for, for quite a while. I could probably bust my ass and build a pretty decent turnover business and, you know, maybe you get to sort of the high six figures, but that's not what I got into this for. I'm wanting to create a brand that's turning over in the, you know, tens of millions and um, you know my original goal was to create a 100 million dollar brand if that's what my aspirations are that's a naive entrepreneur saying that it's it's not where <laughs> you know it's not where my aspirations lie anymore but it's certainly what I was thinking at the start because that's what you do when you're starting out as an entrepreneur you think you're going to take over the world but I still you know I still really do you know want to build it up into a uh, a much bigger business than, than what it is today. And the only way to do that is to take the brand global.
1: And so, is this also why you kind of branch into like the sex toy market just to get a different mm. know, revenue source in the market?
0: Absolutely. So, it's you've got to be really, really good to um, and, and get some serious, serious scale to be making money when your product is worth $4 obviously that's why we've we've looked at other things that's why we've you know started looking at iphone apps and yeah why we are now getting into vrides
1: yeah exactly <laughs> So, <laughs> but do you have like a quick spiel about this upcoming vibrator? Or?
0: Yeah, sure. So, uh, it's called the Afterglow. It's the first vibrator in the world that's based upon medical technology. We have developed it in partnership with an American medical technology company. It will pretty much change the paradigm in, in the vibrator market. Up until now, every other vibrator has done little more and than, than, than simply vibrating. All due respect, but that, that's what all the other vibrators in the market are, they're just vibrating pieces of plastic. The afterglow actually stimulates and enhances blood flow to create a, uh, a powerfully heightened state of arousal. So it's very, very different to, to what's out there in the market and the adult retailers that I'm having conversations with at the moment, very aware within a few minutes of conversation How potentially powerful this innovation will will be. It it, it, from a product that was designed to treat pelvic floor pain in women. It was a side effect. It was a side effect of clinical trials of that particular medical product. Yeah. During during those clinical trials, women were coming back and saying, "I I feel younger down there now, and and want more sex." And oh, what was some other one? There's some funny ones like. Subject reports feeling aroused during treatment and wants me to leave the room so she can please herself.
1: (laughs) These are all written in very medical report style.
0: The funny thing about it, they're all these very, yeah, and what was it? Subject reports feeling aroused for 20 minutes after treatment and often masturbates on the way home. The medical examiners have to report on these, you know, and and, and (laughs) (laughs) so obviously the guys that we're working with, they're like, well, we've clearly got a sex toy on our hands and i was introduced to the ceo of this company convinced them of our marketing prowess and and so now we're working with them on on uh, launching the product globally and we've we've already got retailers in three countries that have purchased you know we're gearing up for a big launch of the product
1: and so they have the product you had the marketing it kind of worked both ways by working together right yeah and, and
0: a lot of the niche where we have kind of found ourselves in within australia and able to operate profitably in is the adult market we've got a lot of online retailers and sex shops that, that buy our condoms so obviously we go to sex bar quite often so we felt like we had a pretty good knowledge of the market and we had been looking at that market for quite a while because it's growing um the adult market's growing at about 30 percent a year you know, it's, it's a really good time to be in the adult market. You've just had things like Fifty Shades of Grey. It's just a massive cultural phenomenon uh, globally. And the movie for Fifty Shades of Grey will come out again next year and the whole industry will just go bang uh, again. There, there were some adult stores that were experiencing 400% spikes in, in, in sales.
1: Right, so gotta gotta get in the toys market, right?
0: <laughs> Excellent. Uh, that's that's that'll be the next
1: thing for us. Interesting. And so I understand the price point of the vi- of the Afterglow is quite high, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. High margin, high volume, Terry.
1: Yeah. And so how does this compare to like the industry norm? Because I see the industry norm it can go from like really cheap to like mid range. So yeah,
0: they they can. So like I said before, you can pick up a $20, 30 thirty dollar piece of vibrating plastic or you can you can buy the afterglow which will have a a genuinely different experience to to any other vibrator out there women are going to experience a a bigger and stronger and, and longer orgasms from the afterglow and just
1: so i understand this right i'm on the website and basically it has like light that stimulates the blood right
0: yeah so it has medical technology inside it's it's quite widely used in medical devices it's it's actually used for the purpose of rapid muscle repair. Um, that's one of its uses. It stimulates and enhances blood flow. Um, it does that by flooding pulses of light into the body, which stimulates photons. The, the long and the short is that it's, you know, it's going to provide a, a better sexual experience than, um, and greater pleasure.
1: You know, when you were first starting out, kind of just wrapping up, you know, did you ever think that you would end up where you are right now? Or kind of what's one thing you wish you knew starting out?
0: Um, the one thing that's influenced me a lot lately is um, the lean startup. I wish I'd been reading that three years ago when I when I started Big Richard. To me, I, I really think that, you know, it's more than a book now. It's, it's pretty much a movement within the startup space. And I, I really think that that is is commoditizing execution for um, web-based startups? I can look back now and, and see a bunch of every, every entrepreneur does it, but you know I can see a ton of mistakes that probably wouldn't have been made. But still, you you know you you've got to try things. If they don't work, you move on and you you keep going until you find something that does work.
1: Yeah. So just you know, in case some people don't know what the lean startup concept is, can you just give us a quick kind of one two minute you know what your take is on it?
0: Right, my 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 explanation is going to be terrible. <laughs> uh, my, my interpretation of the the lean startup is starting a, a business on uh, a lean budget, developing what you call an MVP, a minimum viable product, getting that product to market as quickly as possible, so that you can test, uh, so that you can test your theories, because you know, when, when you start out, you can have all the, all the ideas in the world, and you you, you just don't really know until you put mm. it in front of consumers. So, most effective way to do that, particularly, it's it's sort of not so much it's it's not so valid for for what we're doing, and a lot of times it's very difficult to execute for a product like mm. a, a that's developing a physical product. But certainly, web based startups or, or you know tech startups, I think it's it's absolutely silly if they're not following the
1: with that being said, you know, if you were to look back at your business, you can start over from day one, Kind of, what are some kind of lean startup methodologies that you would apply to like Big Richards right
0: now? I would have done far more research. I would have tested all sorts of product ideas, tested them with people in any means possible, getting them to fill out a form, putting an image in front of them, explaining the concept and finding um, out how much. Uh, I would have done... Probably a name like Big Richard. Everybody still to this day expects that we're just for guys with who are well endowed. Is not the case because when we launched the brand, we thought we we're going to get to all these stores and we we're going to be everywhere. So we 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 went mass market sizing first. I would much rather to go for the niche of larger size condoms, which in no single country except for probably some countries in Africa is there. <laughs> enough enough people but you know globally selling selling it online as a unique product you'd certainly find you know there's enough of a niche and and the funny thing is we're we're just about to launch a large condoms product on um uh, not kickstarter because they don't accept um, condoms or sex or health related product but we are launching a, a product on indiegogo soon so Hopefully,
1: that goes well. Nice, nice. All right, very cool. And so, where can we find you online if you want to find out more about Big Richard?
0: Uh, so, go to richard.com.au. All right, awesome. And do
1: you guys ship international? Yeah, we do. Awesome. All right, very cool then. All right, I think that's it. So, uh, very cool, Louie. All right. So, you have a good night. And keep in touch with me. Yeah, thanks, Darren. Right.
0: To get more information about running an online store, visit our website at
1: store.com thank you for listening to this episode of the build my online store podcast